Welcome to Return to Oswald. I'm Derek. As always, I'm joined by Brandon and uh, Scar. Um, I would make an excuse about why we're late, and I would have made some sort of a prison joke. We're all black, so that shit don't fly here. Like, that shit ain't funny. It's my fault. Nah, we ain't gonna say he was transferring to another facility or nothing like that. We're not gonna pander to the audience. We ain't gonna do none of that. Well, I was nah, there, there's, son. There's, there's, it's not just a bad thing. There's a good part about me. We ain't gonna say he got his freedom either. We ain't pandering to y'all motherfuckers. Uh, let me, let me, let me say this. There's, there's one good thing about um, me moving and not having internet. I found my DVDs. And holy fuck, the DVDs are awesome. Um, first of all, I mean, it looks like trash. Um, but it has all these special features, like commentaries on each episode, um, all kinds of like shit. Like the, it has all of the previews, like previously on in the, in the, the preview for the next episode, all kinds of shit. Um, but I found the commentary to be really interesting. Um, First of all, the episode that we're talking about was um, the uh, was directed by Chaz Palminteri or whatever his name is, the guy who plays a gangster and everything. Uh huh. Um, and you know he he you know he was just kind of a joke. He, they were apparently they had a conversation and they were joking. Uh, he said he directed something, and the the guy who was in charge was like, "Hey, you should direct the episode of Oz." He was like, "Yeah, right. Okay, cool. I'll do it." And then he got the call. And then it was like this long drawn out process of how they do things and all this kind of stuff. And, and like talk, them talking about how they shot certain scenes and how certain scenes are really hard to shoot. Like Peter Marie's office is incredibly difficult to shoot in because it is fully enclosed. So there's no parts that they can open up. So every time the camera moves, like they got to move the desk and all this kind of stuff. And the cameraman has to go stand in this corner or stand in that corner or stand over someone's shoulder. This is a lot of really interesting stuff when it comes to like the the, the creative process that I learned um, because I don't have internet. I feel stronger because of what you just told us. Brandon, do you feel stronger? No, I don't feel stronger, but it was no, interesting. It was interesting, but no, man, why? Why of all of the commentary you had for this episode, that's what you came with, Chaz Palminteri, for real. No, that's 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 just the first part. I mean, I didn't talk about the episode itself yet. I'm just talking about what I learned because I watched the commentary, and I'm probably going to watch the commentary going forward because I don't have internet, and no, Lord knows when I'm actually going to have internet. I know when you're going to have internet. Eventually. <laughs> Eventually, yes. So this episode, this is episode four of season three. Uh, it's called Unnatural Disasters. I'm not going to say that that name was apropos or anything like that. All I'm going to say is um, at the very beginning of this episode, when Augustus is doing his opening speech or whatever, that nigga gets up out of his wheelchair. Well, mm-hmm. he has been up in these little cutscenes. No, he this episode been... was bullshit. Thank you. Adebisi can see Augustus do his monologues now. Right? Is that where we're at? That's a good question, because so I had that written so down, is, too. So this is full fiction now. 
Adabisi just watching him through the computer screen. So Adabisi is streaming Augustus in the 90s. In the 90s. In a mm-hmm. full-on Egyptian outfit. Yes. Why did that happen? I don't know what they were trying to get across with that. That was very weird. And very, it, very weird. It was off-putting. I mean, it, it was very weird, but it it the things that they chose to do in this episode. It took me a while to get back into the episode because of the shit that they chose to do. I think that's the best way for me to put it. It was a lot of it was the director's choice. Um, he only had certain cues of like, hey, this is what's supposed to happen next. So and what you're telling me is that this nigga Chaz came in and just fucked it all up. Um, no, he decided to put his own spin on it, but I guess you could call that fucking it up. Just the nigga like, made Augustus get up out of his wheelchair. And then, like the part where um, the they show why the the guy who uh, delivered that box of blood was coming out of it, and mm. then the guy opened the box, and then you're looking at him and Augustus sitting there in robes. It was supposed to represent him looking in the box, and all of a sudden he sees them in the box. It's so, like weird, weird artistic choices that didn't quite work. I don't need people to have no. their artistic choices when they direct a... I, I realize when you're the director, you have a vision or whatever it may be, but niggas, stick to the script. If Augustus can't walk, he can't walk. And what you... You know what he could have done that would have made him a hero immediately? What Chaz Palminteri could have done, and Chaz, if you're listening to this, first of all, thank you. Second of it's all, you missed an opportunity. Happen. What you could have done that would have fixed everything, you would have been my hero, is if you would have explained how Augustus got back into prison. Exactly. I ain't worried about that. I'm glad glad my man Glenn is on his way back to the family. On his way back to the Glenn stood up this episode, did the right thing, had had a spine and some backbone. Proud of him. So Vern's son, Andrew Schillinger, um, got moved in the Emerald City. Um, McManus is the one who makes these requests. So Vern is uh, rightfully concerned that McManus set his son up because Beecher, Keller, and Ryan are all going to fuck him the fuck up. Um, and so he goes, he goes to Leo and he asks Leo if uh, Andrew could be moved to uh, cell block B where Vern is. And um, this is the first part where... Leo made me proud. It's not the last time for this episode. Waiting at the gate to fuck with me. Now McManus gives him my boy on a silver platter. Your daughter was attacked, right? She was beaten, raped. You know what it is to want to protect your own. And you're asking me to? Put Andy in unit B with me. You must really love your son, Schillinger. To come in here and ask me for a favor. <laughs> must be. Chewing up your insides to have to stand here in my office begging me for your son's life. This is what you're doing, right? Begging? Yes. <laughs> Times I needed something from you. And you just sit here, that stupid ass grin on your face, singing doodah. This is my son, goddammit. I thought you had two sons. Yeah, I do. Maybe you'd be luckier with the second. <laughs> Take <it. laughs> That was the grimiest and most like, you know, like the the 
the part in the movies where it, it makes the white people stand up and cheer. I wanted to do that shit when he said that shit. Right? Because this nigga literally was singing Dixie in his face mm-hmm. the last time you asked him for a favor. Generally, I don't believe in the, the son playing for the sins of the father. However, in this case, we know that the son is terrible. Just as terrible, if not worse than Schillinger, because we don't know that Schillinger dragged a black person at the end of a truck down the street. So he might be even worse than Schillinger. So do we, Vern, do we even know what Vern did to get in here this time? Because obviously he's been in prison multiple times, you know, according to the story. Yeah, far. he beat up the guy what, for his son. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, I just remember. That. Yeah. yeah, he beat up the dude on behalf of his sons who were doing drugs. And guess what? It didn't work because Andrew's already getting high in, in M-City. Andrew is getting fucked up. It's not like he's just doing drugs. Oh, uh, like, says prisoner 92S110 convicted October 21st, 1992, aggravated assault in the first degree. Sentenced eight years, eligible for parole in five. Convicted in 1998 of conspiracy to commit murder. So yeah, eligible for parole. So he would he if he didn't do all that dumb shit, he'd have been out. Well, yeah, if it wasn't for him fucking with Beecher and Beecher deciding you ain't never gonna make it out, he'd have been out. You ain't never getting out. That's that would have happened. He would have gotten out a while back. But because he did, now Andrew, I mean, Andrew would have been in jail without him, and then he would have really been getting fucked up. So I don't know. But one thing we do know is that Keller, Ryan, and Beecher are discussing what to do with Andrew. They think it's a gift or a test from McManus. <laughs> yes. But Ryan is currently selling uh, Andrew drugs. So they figure that if he just keeps selling him drugs, he's going to OD the way he's going through it. And so the next thing that happens is they cut straight over to the lunchroom. Whereas uh, Vern is walking through. Um, no, 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 you skipped the part. What I skip? They, um, they're t- they're talking about it. Um, Keller and Ryan are talking. And about Beecher it. says, "Or, or." But we don't actually see what the plan is. Yeah, he doesn't but, get a chance but, to say what the alternative is. I yeah, I had but, written that. I had written it. I just I was gonna say I was gonna circle back around to it. Okay. But nah, you know what? You making it sound like I didn't say it. You making it sound like I didn't write that shit down. So I'm about to show you because I ain't that type of dude. It ain't that kind of party. You about to see that I had said that and I just was going to circle back around to it. You know, I can't see that in this little ass screen. You better zoom in. That says Beecher <laughs> says or, but they never get a chance to say what the alternative is. Okay. I was going to circle back around to it. Because I was going to talk about how Andrew was in the lunchroom high as a kite and passed out in his food. He was the highest. Like, yo, he's, it's not even like, you know, most of the most of the people that do drugs in there, like they do the drugs and they seem to be semi-functional because they know that there's a finite amount of drugs you're going to be able to get in here. Andrew is like, fuck that. I'm doing all the drugs and I'm doing all the drugs. Right, Jeanette. Mm-hmm. I ain't never seen anybody face down on their food like that. <laughs> yeah. And so 
uh, an inmate says, nice son you got there, Vern. And Vern sees his son. Um, no, Ryan says it. Oh, Ryan said it? Um, I didn't see who actually has said it, but he sees Andrew high as fucking pass out in his food. Uh, so he tells Ciela Presti. Um, he tells him, you know, I thought that y'all had a drug-free policy up in here and 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 blah, blah, blah. And so Presti comes over to try and um, counsel or take Andrew to the hole, which leads to literally the best white outburst in this entire episode. Fuck you, guys! (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, apparently that kid that they got to play that, he was on some sort of kids show, and then a lot of people were shocked to see him play that role. Uh, Fuck you, guys! I learned it from watching you. Fuck you, guys. <laughs> what do you mean I can't go to the cross burning? Fuck you, guys. <laughs> but that's basically what uh, what his father said to his grandfather. It is. What do you mean you didn't get me a cheese pizza? Fuck you, guys. <laughs> oh god hold on one more one more god damn it dad spoilers fuck you dad (laughs) (laughs) don't worry we're gonna circle back around to that later i'm just gonna keep that on tap (laughs) what do you mean he was dead the whole time fuck you dad Oh my God! Woo! If there was ever a clip that need to be made into a soundbite, that is it. Whew. So Sister Pete is going to have Andrew join the drug rehab group, and Beecher, to not surprisingly to any of us, um, says that you know I'm okay with that. Um, at the first meeting, though, uh, Andrew cuts his sister Pete out, tells her to go fuck herself. Keller won't stand for that, and then Andrew cuts him out as well. For all that, uh, for what it's worth, Andrew has a very high sense of self. To be like a 18-year-old kid stepping into a prison with adults and telling them to go fuck themselves. Well, he is a supremacist. Which means he's the best. He's the supreme. But, but I mean, with the exception of the sister, the people that he's been dealing with so far have been white people. That is true. But then again, um, Beecher says very shortly that his dad got the supremacist not to fuck with him. Yeah, yeah. So they were all ignoring him and and keeping him protected, uh, more or less. So Keller's like, you ain't going to talk to her like that. Um, Andrew looks at him and he's like, fuck you, dad. And so... (laughs) Keller's about to go punch him when Beecher jumps up and cold cocks Keller right in the face. Um, also, I mean, I understand this is part of the plan, but shouldn't Beecher have gotten something for that? Right. And also, um, Ryan, Beecher, Keller are all, they all just happen to be in this drug rehab group. And Augustus, where the fuck is Jackson Bayhew? Which one is he? 
Rick Fox. Oh, he gone. Did they kill him? But they didn't kill him. They just dragged him away. Yeah, dragged him away. We saw him one time after that where he asked where uh, which kind of asked what happened to Dobbins. Yeah, and Dobbins was it. dead. And that and that's it. We we have we haven't seen him since. Right. He got out. No, he didn't. He, he saved that man's life, so they let him out. After beating the shit out of him like that, I think that they had him die on the basketball court. That's where everybody else dies. Um, but Beecher and Keller meet up after the altercation. It turns out it's all a long con, like we thought. Like this whole thing, everything that they did in this episode, I think the big problem is. They rushed through a lot of stuff, but it was all so transparent that yes. there was like no surprise to it at all. But um, there is a, there is there's going to be a twist eventually. Yes. Um it's all a long con. Uh one of the things that happens is that Ryan stopped dealing to Andrew. Um and Beecher requests to move Andrew Schillinger into his pod and move Keller out. Um McManus, who should have known fucking better, is like, why should I do that? And that's when Beecher tells him, well, his dad is a supremacist and he's a piece of shit and he's fucked his whole life up and I think I could save him. I think I could reach the boy. <laughs> like, you you must have been a good lawyer. Right? <laughs> it's uh, like, no, no, none of that, none of that made me think he was a good lawyer. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a good person. I'm just um, a citizen. I know how to speak to liberals with my liberal mind. <laughs> <laughs> And so uh, Andrew entered the pod and Beecher asked him if he has any tattoos and Andrew proudly showed him his swastika. Then Andrew asked if Beecher has any and Beecher's like, I'll show you one day, but we don't know each other that well yet. <laughs> that scene was written um, in the, the the words were almost exactly what the conversation Schillinger said. Beecher and Schillinger mm-hmm. was, was uh, it is they tried to get it as close to word for word as they could. And so the next thing that happens is um, McManus is minding his own business, walking down a hallway and uh, Leo comes up to him and says, Hey, got a meeting at noon. Need you to be there with your lawyer. Claire Howell is suing you for sexual harassment. Actually, yes, I did say harassment. I find that shit funny. I don't find sexual harassment funny, though. Noon. What for? Meeting with the president of the officer's union and the state's attorney. You might want to have your lawyer present. Why? Claire Howell is suing you for sexual harassment. What? You should have told me when you asked me to fire that you had been fucking her. <laughs> have you ever noticed that when, when they're speaking about um, him and his, his work conquest they always very emphasize the word fucking like you know what i mean like they don't they, they so for some reason that one word is always like emphasized because he keeps fucking up yes as head of the office i want assurances that this sort of thing doesn't happen again all staff members are going to have to undergo some sort of intense sensitivity training and I want Officer Claire Howell immediately reinstated in her job. Wait a minute, Mr. Strouch. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. My client did not harass Officer Howell. There are inmates, Miss Beater, who will testify to having seen Mr. McManus force himself on her in his office. If anyone was the aggressor here, it was Claire. She came into my office, she asked me out. Dinner is not an invitation to sex. I agree. We ate, we went to the parking lot to get our cars. We started kissing. 
Next thing, we were back at my place naked. So the, uh, the sex was consensual? Yes. Two, three nights later, we sleep together again. She started to assume that the relationship was a lot farther along than I did. I told her I wanted it to stop. She got pissed, threatening. That's what the inmate saw. Then you had her fired. <sighs> she was fired because she was incompetent, not because I didn't want to fuck her anymore. State's attorney don't care. Mr. Strouch, inform Officer Howell that the state will settle this out of court. She can return to work as soon as she likes. You say one word to me, and I'll scream. That's what pissed me off. Now, yes, I, I got pissed off because when the two of them are by themselves with nobody else around, why the fuck is she playing that victim role? Knowing that she's been the the absolute aggressor this whole time, she's been lying. She lied her ass off, and then all of a sudden she's a victim now. Oh, I'll scream, bitch! Nobody else is around to see this interaction between the two of them. So why is she like? You say one word to me, and I'll scream. Like why? Why? Also, did they ask any of the inmates what happened? Because they probably should have. Somebody's gonna be like somebody. Some hey hey, they may not believe some of them. But if everybody's like, yo, nigga, she fucking body slamming man, it's on his desk. I seen that shit. Yeah, because they started, they turned around and started looking when she started going off. So they saw her come after him and then he pinned her down and told her to calm the fuck down, which never actually works. But he tried, if that's what he was doing, he was trying to get her to stop. He wasn't trying to do anything to her. And they saw the whole thing. But here's another mm -hmm. thing. The, the inmates that saw her, I mean, saw this happen, all niggas. You really think they was going to believe them? No. <laughs> all, it, it was, it was, it was, it was, I mean, all the, all the brothers was, was in that room across the room. But this is where McManus needs to learn, man. Even though he didn't, he didn't do really anything wrong in this, in this whole thing. But that's why, some, that's why you got to leave work relationships alone. Exactly. Keep it in your pants, Timmy. Even when you do things right, if it don't work out, it makes shit weird. And then if you have a bad actor on the other side, it makes it go from being weird to being troublesome. Also, you know, the fact that he told her that she was a, a bad fuck. <laughs> that's what she's really mad about. Mm -hmm. If we've been honest, that's, entire, that's what she's mad about. Mm-hmm. Cause he was like, she was like, why can't we just keep fucking him? And man's was like, oh yeah, I'm good on that. <laughs> <laughs> Been there, I've done that. I'm good on that one. <laughs> nah. So yeah, like there's I have never been a person who is like, I, you know, don't believe the victims or don't believe women or whatever it may be. But when there's nobody around and she's literally like, if you come at me, I'm going to scream. Why are you doing this? Like, what exactly is the end goal? Bring a tape recorder in with you. You know you're going to see her. You knew you was going to see her. Fuck entrapment. And why didn't his lawyer say anything? Why didn't somebody speak up in his behalf? Why was it just silent until the state attorney said, you know what? 
we're going to settle out of court. How we get from there to there? I literally just told you what happened. And why didn't his lawyer tell him to shut the fuck up? That too. You know, McManus has got a big fucking ego. He wasn't going to shut the fuck up. He should have shut the fuck up, though. And she should have told him, McManus, shut the fuck up. Not because I didn't want to fuck her anymore. Hey, Timmy, 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 shut up. Timmy, 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 don't, don't do that. Yeah, she could have she could have put like did what my lawyer did when I almost got arrested in the courtroom. Um, put put her hand on his arm or something like, "Hey, bro, calm down." Like, mm, hey, hey, draw back. There's some things you can't unsay. Like you were good, you didn't have to say shit. We would have had a trial. You could have a voice. They could have fucking asked Diana Whittlesey. Why the fuck did they ask Diane? Why didn't they go to anybody and ask what happened? I've never actually been a victim of sexual harassment. I've never actually sexually harassed anybody. So I've never been in a trial situation like this or in a situation like this. But wouldn't they ask questions? Where's Little C? I haven't seen her in a few episodes. She left to, to be with her mom, and I guess she ended up on The Sopranos. <laughs> but seriously it's like there's so many different ways they could have handled this I feel like this was poorly done so the next thing that happens is that um, apparently Saeed and and the Trisha the Saeed and Trisha Ross storyline has progressed in being in love. Um, he's getting up to go and vi- he's like, I have a visitor, and Arif and Khan were both looking at him like, Where are you going, nigga? <laughs> he was like, I'm going to see my sister. Calm the fuck down. But then he finds out that his sister uh, got a visit from Trisha Ross, and I'm like, How the fuck she know where his sister live? Book. Also, the nigga's name is Goodson. No way, no way. She's looking up in the phone book for Kareem Saeed when her when his sister's name ain't Saeed. True, because she kept calling him Goodson. So is that his, is that his real first name? I'm guessing. But he was like, "We've only seen each other twice," and his sister was like, "Since when does it take more times than that?" <laughs> for you to fall in love with a white girl. <laughs> for you to fall in love with a white girl. He basically confirmed what everybody, she confirmed what everybody knew, which is that Saeed, you know, likes the white women. That's, that's basically. What did they say his real name was? Goodson. Goodson. Name is Goodson. She called him that and he didn't correct her at all at all and so yeah he just sitting there and he goes back upstairs after he has them or yeah after he um talks with his sister he goes back up to his room and poet comes in and apologizes to saeed for fucking up fucking up his chances and everything okay he's oh wait wait one second wait one second did you did I know, I know my shit was fucking up for a second there, but did you uh, get the conversation of, of Saeed telling his his mans in them that he had a uh, that he had a visitor? Yeah, and they they looked at him like nigga. And yeah, he was like, 
And he stood up with his little Saeed indignance. And like, it's my sister. And he said, chill, dog. Okay. All right, dog. Whatever. So, yeah, then he goes and he sees his sister who finds out that, like we said, Trisha Ross stalked her all the way back to her house. Um, We don't, we don't, I still don't know how that happened, like I said. Um, True, true, because his name, because his sister's name, it has nothing to do with Kareem Zayed. And so that's when we find out that Saeed, he like other white women's. So his sister's like, give me any woman just as long as she's white. And she's like, yeah, when you got with the district attorney, I knew she was a bad woman. And he was like, say the whole thing. You knew she was bad because she's a white woman. <laughs> and the CSIE get all indignant about that part because she's a white woman. Well, I'm a Muslim. I'm a man. He said something else. He said three things. He's, he said, I'm, 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 uh, he said, I'm, he said he's, he's, he's black. He's a black man. He's a Muslim, and something else. And and, they, and those three things are always. No, he says I'm religion. a black. I'm a man, and I'm a Muslim. That's and those three things conflict against each other when it comes no, to said, the yeah. white women's. No, he said those things. Those three things are at war with each other. They made they made a point of to 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 speak on that during that thing that I watched. White bitches, how come you look so good? <laughs> So, Poet apologized to Saeed for fucking up his chances outside the walls. He said that he really respects the way Saeed's been on a hunger strike. And Poet has put himself on a self-imposed poetry strike. Which makes no sense. Um, He's essentially asking for Saeed's permission to start writing again. And the look on Saeed's face when he tells Poet that Poet does not need his permission to write again is you know Saeed is saying to himself, I don't need permission to love a white woman. Exactly. <laughs> and so he is down to clown and ready to party. And so he meets up with Trisha and Trisha starts talking to him and Saeed is like, don't talk, just listen. And Jody starts playing in the background. Stay! And he puts his hand out to her. And she grabs his hand in a thumb wrestling position. I didn't notice the first time, because I watched the episode twice. I didn't notice the first time that she was crying. I didn't notice either, because uh, uh, I, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Clear tears <laughs> on white skin <laughs> with bad camera work. No, on old cameras. On old cameras. Doesn't trans doesn't carry over that well and she's no. really pale very so i didn't see it either i just thought that she was like <gasps> not not nicole kidman pale that, that is the whitest person i've ever seen no she no no the the palest white woman i've seen is um the woman from jessica jones no 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 nicole kidman is is literally like white white like she's or wednesday white. adams uh, Christina Ricci. <sighs> it, does that does that count? Because some of that is makeup. I'm saying oh, oh, Nicole, yeah. Nicole Kidman is like she is bright white. Like you know, like when you get paint, 
Like, yeah. you, know, well, you got to get some bright white paint. Like, she, Nicole Kidman, her skin color is that. You you got to you gotta give me a moment because I've never seen a Nicole Kidman movie and I've never seen her. I'm okay. the anti-Saeed. So anyways, Poet is in the visitation room, just happens to be in the visitation room the same time as Saeed is in there holding hands with Trisha and Stevie Wonder's playing in the background. Um, and Poet looks very disappointed. But at the very least, Saeed said, basically said, I ain't no better than you, dog. I'm a punk just like the rest of you. Yeah, basically. He said that he said yeah. that basically to excuse himself. But you know how this is bullshit? All the niggas, including the Muslims, sit there every day and watch that fucking puppet show and look at that white lady's titties every fucking day. But they so mad at Saeed for talking to a white woman. Do because you know there's very many the, Muslims sitting there watching? Yeah, the Muslims be in there watching. A reef be in there sometimes. That's true. But, I have noticed a reef. But here's the thing. It is okay to be in love with that which you cannot touch because that is temptation from Allah to us, his people. But we don't fuck with the white bitches. Oh, also, Khan is uh, his real name. He's he's Leo Glenn's son in real life. Who is? I looked that up. Not Arif, the other Muslim. The, the, the one, like, Arif be like low-key hating. Khan be like, nigga. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, his face is always, I'm just disappointed in you. So the next thing that happens is that Keller goes in to see Sister Pete. And Keller, all I can say is that motherfucker is a cold-ass psychological piece of work. Like, we just showed, or we are now, through this scene, we learn that what he did to Beecher was not a fucking accident. This nigga's mind games are tremendous. As to breaking Beecher's arms and legs. I broke his arms. Shillings broke his legs. Oh, yeah, that's right. But then you feel less guilty, right? Because you only broke his arms. None first or shrink first? Shrink. Uh, what made you want to crawl inside other people's hands? I thought I could help him. And you do? Sometimes. Sometimes I can get a fella to see life from a slightly different angle, and, and then maybe, maybe, he can cope a little better. Slightly. A little? You measure everything in all these small steps. Yeah, well, you have to. I mean, there's rarely any dramatic breakthroughs. Everything is stops and starts and stutter steps. That frustrates you? It hurts you? Hurts me? No. No, no, I was trained uh, not to take any of that personally. That's a tough lesson, though. Oh, yeah. Especially in Oh, here. yeah. I mean, it's not your fault that your patients don't get better. <laughs> Still, you worry. You wonder if you're just not good enough. Nope. Time's up. <laughs> Visiting hours. One of my ex-wives is coming to visit me. That nigga put it on her so cold 
And like this, well, first of all, this is only the beginning. But second of all, the way that he threw that in there, knowing that she was going to drop by to see him when he was with his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. Like, he What did he say to her, though? Which part? What He said, she, just she knowing said, that you're not- she said she doesn't take it. She said she doesn't take this stuff personally. And he was like, that's a good way to be. Um, because like it must it, it would be hard knowing that you're not actually really helping anybody. Yeah, like, you're, you're not healing anybody at all. Right. That's that's bas- basically yeah. that's what it was. She's like, I don't take none of this stuff personally. He was like, that's a good way to be, because if you did take it personally, then the fact that you're not helping anybody would probably fuck with you. Yeah, you know, the fact that you're batting a zero. That would fuck me up. I'm glad you're able to walk through it, though, because that would mess me up. But not you. You're better than me at failure. (laughs) Like, that's good that you're able to do it because I couldn't. I don't know how I just have all that on my shoulders. But he didn't have to say none of that. He just hit her off with a cold line. And then then afterwards, you can see that that. Well, first of all, that look on her face when she saw him with that with the ex-wife, and then he kind of leans in and hugs her, looks at looks at the sister and kind of waves like, hey girl. Um, and she just kind of waves back like like the like you know, like the like the nerd trying to uh get the popular boy's attention. Um and then she and she goes back to her office and she's like straightening up her degree or whatever, like trying to reassure herself or something like that. Like that was like he already he i mean he's like he just jumped head first into her head it's it's also the fact that when it was all said and done and he heard the bell he hit her with the line that shrinks usually hit their clients with like oh i guess time's up and he didn't have to do none of this i am convinced that he did all of this because she was like he she called him on his bullshit when he was like i only broke his arms Nah, you're trying to help yourself get away with your guilt. Oh, are you a shrink or a nun? I'm a shrink first. Cool. Watch this. Oh no, he, he technically goes he goes. He did only break too. his arms, but I mean, she. That's... No, it's true, but you know, she kept talking, so he was like, "Let me give you something to think about." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's a master manipulator. Masterful. And he carries it with him into uh, every show that he does from here on out. Return to Oswald. We'll be back after this brief break. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasts with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get paid when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-o-g-o dot c-o. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. What's going on, everyone? This is your girl, Julene, host of It Goes Down in the PM. We talk about everything from work, motherhood, local celebrities to comic books. Tune in every Friday at 1 o'clock to find out what really goes down in the PM. Fuck me harder. Fuck me harder, daddy. Fuck me like the I am. Put it daddy. I don't even care. I don't care who sees me. Them 
can't f with me. They can't see a dick like yours. F me, daddy. F me, dad. Oh, hello. I'm Derek, and I'm the host of Ratchet Book Club. We read hood classics and good classics, and that means anything from Old Thought Next Door to The Phantom Tollbooth. We read a few chapters every episode, and then we discuss what we thought of each chapter before we get to the next one. It's pretty enlightening. Sometimes you find out things you never knew, like did you know that somebody's... Ratchet Book Club. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, and anywhere else you really could think of good fucking podcast should be at. Hey y'all, this is Derek. We want to thank y'all so, so much for taking time out to listen to this show. What we'd like for you to do right now, wherever you're at, is screenshot your phone, iPad, or whatever you're listening to the show on, and send it to us on Twitter at Return to Oswald. We'll retweet it to everybody and show that you're a part of the family. Also, if you'll be so kind as to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast at, and subscribe and follow, we'll greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, and back to the show. Sister Pete has convinced Leo to let Alvarez and Riviera participate in the Victim Offender Apology Program. Um, and Leo was also willing to release Alvarez back into M-City, but Alvarez had to tell Leo who raped Ardith, and here we go again. Yeah, he, he has to tell, uh, like, once the, once the program is over, if he doesn't say how, what he knows, then he's going back to his cell. Which is horrible because he's been in there. He's he's gotten to the point where he was slow, so low that he damn near, he, he attempted suicide, He's going to be willing to say anything he has to say in order to not go back to solitary. Mm -hmm. yep. And I'm still, I'm certain it was El Cid. Um, the next thing that happens is that Miguel goes back to M City. Uh, El Cid and, and Chico um, don't know about the whole victim apology program, whatever. So they have to wonder how he got out of solitary. Um Miguel tells them that he didn't snitch because, you know, it's blood in, blood out, which is a good movie, too. And then, but then also, like, if he snitched on you, would you be standing there, right? Right. We saw what happened with Snake. Like, as soon as they tell, you're getting, you getting swooped up. So are we supposed to think that Al says people raped Glenn's daughter? That's what I'm guessing. Because of the I way that El Cid came over. No, I think I think El Cid came over because he because he thought that he might have ratted that he's the reason that Alvarez cut that dude's eyes out. I don't oh. think El Cid has anything to do with that rape. Mm -hmm. As far as we know, they haven't we haven't gotten any indication that El Cid has anything to do with that. That makes more sense, actually. Yeah, but I, I just I just have a, a sneaking suspicion. It's possible. I can't remember who actually did it. But so, El Cid believes him because he says blood in, blood out. And he puts uh, Miguel into the boxing tournament to take Carlos's spot. Because, you know, Carlos finally went, uh, got thrown in the hole after his mom decided to not come and um, see him anymore. 
Speaking of not want to do things anymore, Cyril doesn't want to box anymore, but Ryan ain't having it. Nope. And uh, we find out Ryan that- is a bad influence. Why? He cares for his brother now. He is a bad influence. But he care- He also cares enough about his brother to whereas he is making it so that his brother is going to survive all this shit. Yeah, he has the easiest road possible because of the stuff that Ryan is doing. The next thing that happens is that Alvarez, we find out he's fighting against Jason Kramer. Um, Jason is the fighter for the gay community in Oz. Um <laughs> Ryan is talking with Chico and Alvarez and takes his time out to remind Chico that he bet him that Robson, that Robson would beat Cyril. Um, Chico pays up and he says he still can't believe the Robson lost and that there's no way the Robson got beat fairly. Ryan gets Here's what I don't understand. If Cyril is such a good boxer and a Golden Gloves boxer, why does Ryan have to cheat for him? Because he's got... Uh, because Ryan is a fucking snake. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> I mean, like a snake is gonna snake, and like he's like, like I know he could probably win this, but let's make sure. And so, um, Brian gets in Chico's face and asks him if he thinks the Cyril cheated, and then El Cid breaks it up. Also, Jason Kramer was murdered, or Jason Kramer was convicted on September 6, 1998, of murdering the first. Uh, kidnapping, assault with a dangerous instrument, and he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Did, did they not get? Did he not get any charges for trying to actually mail someone? Uh, you know, common sense is not a thing in this. Um, I just want to point out that the way that they wrote for gay people uh, back in 1999 was just awful. Like yeah, that's was, what I was getting ready to say. The the idea bad. that like he's well, he's like he's he's like hold on, I think I, I think I got the scene, but yeah, here we go. Hi, O'Reilly. Hey Kramer. You all ready for your big fight? Feeling good. Looking good. Of course, so is Miguel Alvarez. Hey, Such a snake. You going in the ring against Alvarez? You got balls. I didn't think you noticed. Of course you're gonna need him. What do you mean? I overheard Hernandez talking to the other Specs. They say if you lose, you're gonna gangbang Anthony. My Anthony? That's what they said. Those fucks better not put their paws on my little Anthony. Odds are 50 to 1 in Miguel's favor. Oh, sure. Nobody thinks a fag can defend himself, but let me tell you something, O'Reilly. There's only two things I know how to do. Fight and suck. Next. That one line is just the worst. It is offensive as fuck. Also, when he comes in there initially, when Ryan comes in there and he's talking to Jason, Jason playfully, like, punch taps him in the stomach, like, three times. Mm-hmm. He's like, hi, O'Reilly. Like, is there and O'Reilly plays and then the fact that O'Reilly plays along being a snake looking good and he kind of says it a little yeah, he's King Kniffish. He, he says it a little King Kniffish, like like you're looking good there. But I'm like nobody else talks like this. They Hi, don't O'Reilly. Hi O'Reilly. Like Hi. nobody they don't write anybody else like this. Surely. And I realize that there are 
Shirley is the only other person that they write like that. True. So they write him like they write the lady. Yep. Because they figured he's gay, so let's write him like a woman. Let's write him like we write, we write the woman. You all ready for your big fight? Feeling good. Looking good. What the fuck? So creepy. What the fuck? Like that whole scene just pissed me off. Yeah. The only two things I know how to do are fight and suck. Like seriously, you, if you're fighting against Alvarez, you got balls. Oh, I'm glad you noticed. Ha ha ha! What the fuck? I just want to remind all y'all out there in the world who probably know now, but you know, just in case you didn't know, gay men don't think about sex like 100 percent of the time, and they definitely don't think about having sex with you. 100% of the time. If you're ugly to women, there's a really good chance you're ugly to gay men too. Yeah. Also, as soon as they, uh, as soon as uh, Kramer advises him that he knows how to fight and suck, um, Chucky walks by with his two goons because now Chucky has goons. Um, and he sees Ryan with a wad of cash in his hands and asks him if he's running a betting line. And Ryan's like, nah, I just got money. And Chucky's like, well, I need 25% of that money. Um, then Chucky also advises him that he's betting on Jason. And Ryan's like, well, I'm betting on Miguel. Or no, Ryan is betting on me. Or Ryan is betting on Jason. And Chucky is betting on Miguel. Because it's exactly like Jason. Yeah, Ryan's the only person to bet on Jason, apparently. Yep. Yeah, and, and so and he said, and, and just like what Jason said, they don't think that a gay man can fight. Mm-hmm. But it helps that this motherfucker is gonna drug Alvarez again with the same Christian yes. inmate who doesn't have a fighter in there because they find it immoral. This motherfucker has to pray real hard at night because he's got to atone for being such a fucking thief. But he does. And to be fair, I don't think he knows what it's being used for. But he's still stealing it. Yeah, he, he is. If, um, if yeah. I if I deal drugs and I sell the drugs to you, I can't say to the police, I don't I don't know if they ever smoked it, so I shouldn't go to jail for that. I mean, it's true. Maybe he thinks he's doing a good thing. Maybe he thinks he's getting him some drugs because someone's hurting or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I thought I was helping him out when I sold him the heroin. Like, you know, he has a he he's he said he was sick. I was just helping. I didn't he think he was gonna inject it. Why am I in jail? He said he was an insomniac. Right? Why am I why why am I here? The nigga's a thief. <laughs> he done stole medicine out the medical ward twice. Thou shalt not steal. And why does Alvarez, no one, why does no one notice that everybody that everybody is good for the first round? And it, like Alvarez even got a knockdown in the first round. Yeah, Alvarez up. You ain't shit. Yeah, and once again, a different ref, but they don't see any difference between the first round and the second round performance of Alvarez because last, Alvarez was beating him up in the first round. The last fight, the dude was punching himself, trying to wake himself up out of whatever he was feeling. And if I'm this, a ref and I see someone punching themselves, like, yo, there's some questions to be asked. And in this fight, Alvarez spending more time looking at the windows and looking up in the air than actual fighting. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're supposed to be fighting. You're like, to the window. 
Um, and so. Kramer comes out, and I mean, they could have gotten a better boxer for this performance. This is the worst box performance since the great white hype, in my opinion. They talked about that. But I don't think he was supposed to be a good boxer. Wait, they talked yeah. about it? They talked about it in the commentary. What they say uh, when they when they came up with the idea, they asked the people who they thought were going to participate if they could box, and everybody said, "Oh yeah, yeah, I can box," and apparently not all of them could. Oh. Um, only only one of them was a fighter, Chuck Zeta. He's the only one that was an actual fighter. Yeah, I feel that because they look so, bad. Yes. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. This has to get found out at some point. Um, so the next scene is the inmates are talking about Miss Sally because she's wearing, for this to be a children's show, I mean, I guess if you're a child, you're not looking at her like that. But she's wearing like well, one of those. Well, all she was wearing was like a. Um, a low top shirt. It wasn't, was you know, you're absolutely like right. A, that's, that's on me. I shouldn't even, I shouldn't even blame her for what she's wearing. She brought none of this upon herself. Let me try and, that again. And they only came up no, with that because you're they were right. spending too much money. No, you're right. Like I, I used to work at Disney World. No, not what's not this. No, not Disney World. What was it? I have a picture on my Instagram from a long time ago when I first joined the Instagram, because I went to um, uh, one of those like medieval. What do they call them? Medieval times. Um, no, not medieval times. It's I like a. That was dope. You know that movie? What was that movie with Paul Rudd and Stifler and and McLovin? Uh, American Pie. No, Paul Rudd, McLovin. No, not Road Trip. Oh, um, uh, world, uh, role, role models. models. Role we gotta models. put that on the remember? list, fam. Yeah, that's one of my favorite movies. And remember when they went to that that thing where everybody was dressed up like medieval? People? Yeah, they were LARPing. LARPing. Yes. So I went to I went to uh, it's like an event like that, but it's not LARPing. It's not just LARPing, but they sell like turkey legs. It's like a whole thing, but it's based around that. And so they were, so she was basically wearing like that type of outfit, like medieval times, but that's how they were cut. So it's not her, I mean, you would see that on a TV show in the 90s back then because 90s cartoons and shit were wild. <laughs> yeah. Were wild and, as fuck. And they only came up with it because they were spending money on other stuff for them to watch that, just, that was just in the background. Uh, and it was costing too much money. So they came up, it was like, okay, we need to make our own TV show. And then they decided to make that a, a, a plot point, I guess you could call it, in the show. Because they had to make their own show anyway. So it was like, why don't we make this interesting? Well, that's brilliant. That's exactly what would happen in real life. Mm-hmm. A bunch of men who don't ever see women. <laughs> it's not like they're about to show porn on the TV in prison. <laughs> right. So... Yeah, they are sitting there ogling uh, Miss Sally when the Christians come out. <laughs> the Christians. <laughs> the funny thing to me, the thing, I, I know, I know. It's probably just me. I have a sense of humor that's just like, wait, what? But the Christians came out like NWO and WCW Nitro. <laughs> like they just walked out and just stood in front of the TV. How did nobody fuck them up? And so Cudney, they're because, led by Cudney. The, because the, the head CO dude was standing right over everybody. Like, you couldn't do anything without being seen. He was the one that told them that they needed to get the fuck out of there. And then he was like, you know what? Fuck it. Lock down. Here yeah, that's what made me mad. Like, wait, you locking it down off of them coming out and blocking the TV on us. We didn't even do nothing. I didn't even do, I didn't even do nothing. Exactly. 
Yeah, them Christians deserve the ass whooping there. I ain't gonna lie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was just like, yo, this is what y'all do to make up for the fact you're stealing out of the infirmary. Um, so y'all aren't watching this show for educational purposes. You're watching for lust. Duh. <laughs> like, duh. Um, when they get out of lockdown, I guess, the lockdown lasts for maybe like 20 minutes. I don't know. But when they get out, Ryan is teasing Alvarez about losing. And Alvarez like, why are you so happy? And Ryan's like, because I won. And he pulls out a wad of cash. And Chico finally asks the question, how come everybody you bet on wins? This nigga says, I have a gift. El Cid isn't pleased at Alvarez lost. He said they look like a bunch of fools. And he, he didn't actually say fool, but the phrase he uses is extremely offensive, so I'm not going to use it. Um, and I have questions. First question is quite simply this. How come neither Alvarez nor Robeson ever told uh, anybody that after they took a drink of that water, they felt weird? Yeah, no one, no one ever said, like, yo, I felt like I was out of here, dog. Like, Robeson was punching himself in the fucking face. Because you got to understand, nobody is going to believe them. Because if two people say the same fucking thing though, and they actually go and test that water, and they go back and they missing, look at their stock, y'all are but missing also, the point. But also, no they, one's going to believe them because one of them lost to a gay person, the other person lost to someone who was mentally disabled. Yeah, so like no one's going to believe them. They're like, so get the fuck out of here! You being like, what? Y'all but, just start okay. to mix some shit up. Okay, I'll give you that. I will give you that. If they went and they told the inmates that this happened, they'd be like, get the fuck out of here. But if they went and told McManus, and if Cyril and Ryan went and told Murphy, well, Cyril and Ryan wouldn't go and tell anybody, but if they, if Alvarez went and told McManus, if Robeson went and told McManus, he would look into it. Yeah, but what, they, they're not going, they're not going to run the test on the water. Why no, not? Because, By the way. Because there's no way to connect it to the water because like, you know, no matter how. But you they can lock it, the water up for safety precautions. Um, yes, they could. Or you can keep your water in your in your fucking cell until it's time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's or just, they just think that nothing is wrong with the water, so they're not going to do anything with it. Yeah, I don't think they would think that something is wrong with the water because, yeah. like every every time this happens, it happens after the first round. You just got your you just got punched in the face a couple of times, so of course mm-hmm. you're going to feel some sort of way, and they'll probably just brush the shit off from there. But mm-hmm. Robson didn't get hit at all in the first round. Robson was literally Mike Tyson in that motherfucker in the first round. If I remember correctly, he knocked Cyril down in the first round. No, Cyril got some hits on him. It was a close fight in the first round. I thought Cyril And then Cyril took over. Yeah. It was a close fight. It wasn't like this one. Alvarez was fucking Jason up. Yes. Yes. Yes, he was. And I would have, I would have protested. I'm like, I don't give a fuck what y'all say because he sat there and let El Cid start talking shit to him. He let Chico start talking shit to him. Bricks is talking shit to him, and then him and El Cid start tussling. And Clayton Hughes comes down to defend or to break up this small little tussle. The problem is Clayton Hughes has a fucking taser, 
and he tases El Cid. This man. And the problem with that is the motherfucker ain't supposed to have a goddamn taser. Like, yo. So then. Does he play a sucker in every show that he's in? Yes. He yes. Does. Yes, he every does. Every show? Every. Yes. So then the next thing that happens is McManus asks the logical question, how the fuck did he get a taser through uh, security? Same way the drugs get through. Well, find out who had his eyes closed. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, Leo. What about Hughes, the guy who used the stun gun? He's tangled with Latinos, he smuggles in an illegal weapon, he zaps Hernandez for a minor infraction, the guy's out of fucking control, Leo. You don't understand what it's like being a CEO. Oh, come on. You never have and you never will. That's the number one defense that they always give against McManus whenever they're in the wrong. That's the that's same the thing that the dude. That's the same thing that the dude who was the Italian who was in the mafia secretly in the family. It's the same thing he said. That's the that's what the cops say now. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't know, know how what hard it's it like to be a cop. You don't know the struggle. And McManus is like, I know he don't need to sneak a fucking taser in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't know how hard it is to tell between yellow and black when you're trying to grab a taser and you grab your gun. That's like McManus is basically like, McManus is fucking sick of these uh, COs at this point. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's been nothing but fuck shit from COs since the day this show started. And McManus is like, bro, like is the only good CO here. Is a dead CO. And even he is making side deals with fucking Ryan. Yeah, he is. Mur- Murphy's but fucking least, up already, too. But he's a good besides dude. That, yeah. Besides that, he seems like a decent person so far. Yeah. So Compared Leo trans- the rest of them, at least. <laughs> so Leo transfers Clayton to the library after he smushes his head into the desk. Like, dude, you would have been dead a million times. Stop trying good. to be a CO. You're no good at it. <laughs> and so... Um, Leo transferred into the library immediately, no questions asked. And even he knows that he should have just fired Clayton. He was like, now I got to explain to my staff why you still fucking work here. You know what Leo did? He did the, the thing from, he did the thing for Chappelle show. Remember Chappelle show on the Rick James skit when he's like, uh, when Charlie Murphy finally comes back to get his revenge on Rick. And he's like, come here, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. Come down here. And he's like, huh, huh. And he lays his head down and he smashes it on the table. Mm-hmm. And slaps the crap out of him. That's exactly what he did. <laughs> yeah. Leo, I'm sorry. I Come here. <clears throat> Get over <laughs> Look at that. What? Closer. What about it? Oh, fuck! It's <laughs> just like Chappelle's show, bro. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I wonder if Chappelle got it from this show. Um... So then uh, Clayton is now in the library and Snake and, or I'm sorry, Bricks and Say Man 3 are making fun of him and him don't like that. that. They made that up themselves. Hey, what up? (laughs) That that they kept doing, they made that up themselves. Oh, him don't like that. The next thing we see is that Richie is going in for his appeal. Um, also, he's going to tell the cops that he and Vern killed Bogle together. And Nikolai oh, likes bricks. Nobody likes bricks. I tried to tell y'all from the beginning. Y'all are like, oh, he's 
He's just a kid. No, he said, is just a kid. The nigga literally turns 18 this episode. He Bro, turned 18. This that is crazy. It's like he's that. lived a lifetime so far. Right? <laughs> but Rashani, on another show for y'all who don't listen, where we do hindsight, we review old movies. This the same Rashani's the same man who's ready to who's ready to write off Junior for Problem Child at five years old. But Bricks, 16-year-old murderer, is just a kid. That nigga Junior was the worst. Just you, really think, you really think that by the time he's 16, he's not in a place like Oz for killing somebody? Nope. He just does the mischief. Junior? Brandon likes white kids. It starts as mischief. I'm not saying that in a nasty way. I'm just saying Brandon defends white people. It starts Bricks as mischief is, when Bricks you're is just a kid. Bricks is just a kid. 16-year-old murderer. No, what I said was that Bricks should have been in a juvenile facility because he is 16. That's what I said. That's fair. If you I can debate that. that, go for it. But he should be in a juvenile facility. He shouldn't be in there with grown ass men like Adabisi. And obviously, he's worse for wear from being in there with these grown ass men playing grown ass games. I agree. So that's what I was saying. And fuck Junior. <laughs> fuck that nigga to death. <laughs> so, um, Nikolai Stanislavski is talking with the mole and Ribido and telling him how he came to America when they find out that Richie's conviction got overturned. Stanislavski is still saying that Vogel was his enemy. Did anybody else not see through this immediately? I don't know why no one else did. But yeah, so especially then, when he first got there and he said, like, I want to meet him. Is there a way I can get to death row so I can see him? Like ain't nobody trying to get to ain't nobody trying to get to nobody to, to shake to, somebody's to shake hand. His hand that fucking thing. Why didn't he just tell him I didn't do it? Schillinger did it. He didn't get a chance to. He did. He he had tons of chance to say it. While he's to, in there to, just to, just chattering away while they're somehow alone in the shower together. Why are no, there any just, wait, no, wait, here's another question. Why are there any COs in the shower area? Exactly. Um, and two, like he was just talking about it, just randomly talking about how happy he was to be back at M City and out of out of fucking death row. And then and then dude just rolls up on him all all sexily and he's just like, Oh shit, this is what we're doing. All right, I missed this. And then and- so he didn't even have a chance to say. He didn't, you know, he never, he never said anything about like, oh, yo, you the man that killed, killed old boy. And he was just like, no, I mean, I'm not that, I'm not him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't do it. I had to take the rap. Like, he didn't even get a chance to say that because by the time, you know, he, he said something about him, he had already caught him. Mm. The rest of the dude didn't say shit until he cut him. Mm. Okay, I'm just saying, you know, if they fucking had somebody in the fucking showers in there with them just watching and shit wouldn't have jumped off like that. True. Guess I'm just I'm just putting that out there real quick. Shit wouldn't have jumped off at that nigga it actually, you know, if somebody was in there like, hey, calm it down, because I had somebody in the computer room. You got somebody watching the computers, but you ain't got somebody watching the showers where niggas can just shank anybody whenever they want to. Anyhow, um, Richie gets his throat slit 
because Richie thinks that some random dude that he just met is going to lean in for a kiss because that's how people think gay men are. Again, I guess back in the 90s that anybody was, would be down be the clown with you in the shower. Oh, to no. Be I didn't. He was, it's been such a long time since I've had this and just leans in to an unknown acting, person. He was acting like he wanted to kiss him. If we're being, oh. if we're being fair. If we're being fair, sure. But it's Richie was just like, oh, yeah, I'm all down for this. He could have backed away like, I don't know you. Just because somebody leans in to kiss you doesn't mean you got to kiss them. That's right? true. So if I just got out of somebody trying to set me up for a murder, if I know the people out there are like literally hating me, I'm not kissing just anybody. No, I'm good. Especially not in Oz. You just, I'm sure I went through a grapevine about how Keller broke Beecher down. Why am I leaning in the kitchen? I wonder if, I wonder if anybody knows that. Because Keller and Beecher are hanging out again. Yep. Which he we'll lied. But but then as Stan slashed his throat with a razor that he held in his mouth, he says, I lied. Vogel was my friend. Which Word. again, duh. So the next thing that happens is that Napa has HIV, but he also has a cappuccino machine. He called called upon Father Ray and he's like, yo, I don't want to sit in here and die slow. So I'm going to convince, I'm going to confess to every sin that I've ever done. I don't know if that's supposed to end up with him. I don't know if that's supposed to end up with him getting the chair or going to death row, but he's like, I'm not here for this slow death shit. Um, He still hasn't figured out out BC. Gave him AIDS? Nope. And Adebisi is talking with Chucky at that very moment, talking about, yo, we need to get Bricks out of here. And Chucky's like, yo, don't think I forgot about when you hit me in the back of the head with a can and split my head open. And he was like, yeah, I was a powerful enemy. Just think of how I could be as a friend. We need to kill Bricks. So Adebisi's not reformed at all. No, he Except that he's no longer a nigger. He's an African. Yep, those are he literally stole Scar's line. He said, "Those are not my niggas. I'm an those African. Not, those are not my niggas at all. I'm an African." And then he goes to the Latinos, and he's like, "Yo, fuck that nigga, kill him." And Chico's like, "Uh," and Elsie's like, "I understand. I'm sympathetic to your needs." And that's when Adabc sees Augustus in the fucking computer screen. This was weird. You have this clip. Oh God, I can find it. Talk amongst. Wasn't a, a, what? What was Augustus even saying? I was just so distracted by the fact that Adabisi was looking at Augustus on the computer screen. I wasn't even paying attention to what he was saying. He wasn't saying shit. That's why. So hold on, I got this. Here. All right. Which leads me to guess, you know, because I'm such a bright fella, that you're here for a different reason. Now, forgive me for being distrustful. That probably means you're up to no good. That's right. Come on, take a hike. Let's go. You too, Simon. I am using the computer. Ah. Well, can I give you one little small suggestion? Turn it on. Reap what you sow. Pharaoh got what he deserved. 
But what about Abdul, the farmer who woke up with frogs on his face? His cattle dead from anthrax, his wife fucked up with legions, his only child dead, all because of a leader he didn't even get to vote for. What about all the people who reap what they don't sow? Babies born addicted to crack, four-year-olds molested, ethnic cleansing. What about you? Is there a law in the universe or something? A law about needless suffering? A law that even God can't break? Hey, hey, I'm hey, so hey, Augustus. Hey, hey, Augustus. Why the fuck were you on the computer in the computer room? I'm even way more confused now after that. What Augustus, the fuck? What the what? fuck were you talking about, Augustus? Like he could literally go find Augustus and ask him, "What the fuck were you it talking was, about?" It was just a shitty transition. It wasn't a transition because this nigga's watching it. He's literally. Yes, and it's not like looking at it. It's not like he's. Um, it's not like he's. It's happening while he's doing something else. Adabisi's looking at it. He's reacting to it. He's making faces at it. Like it's like he's seeing Augustus on the fucking computer screen. Yep. That shit was so weird to me. I did not understand that at all. None. Not at all. And you can't even say that, you know, Adabisi's actually crazy because Augustus has been running this same Pharaoh thing through the whole episode. Right. And each time we see him, it's a artistic transition that doesn't land well. No, this, this one was is bad. just another one of those. This wasn't that. So Augustus did they explain is, so it? Augustus, so in the comments, did they explain it or anything? No, I'm just saying that it was it was how they did the transitions back to his commentary. It wasn't so, like they, according to them, Adabizi wasn't actually watching him on the screen. It was just an artistic way they were trying to do the transition back to that thing. Nah. So Adabizi is Deadpool. Yeah, that's essentially what it is. No, he was just looking at something else and they did it as a transition. But he wasn't looking at the screen like it was something else. He was looking at the screen like he was like reacting he was directly to Augustus. Augustus saying some crazy shit. Yes. <laughs> he started tilting his head like, you know how dogs tilt their head when they get confused or don't understand something? He did that. I, don't I can't explain that. Because you, you, you shouldn't be able to because it doesn't make any sense. So the next thing that happens is that Beecher's playing cards with Andrew and that drives Burn crazy. Um, also, Bricks gets a birthday card because he's 18. And I'm like, how the fuck does time work in Oz? Exactly. Um, Bricks finds out that his girl, his wife, his wife, Lauren, is running around with Ronnie Smith. And also that his baby Jordan is being abused by Ronnie. So here's the thing. I actually defended Bricks on like I, I'll, I'll take that back. I don't know if I defended Bricks on calling the hit out on Ronnie, but I understood where Bricks was coming from to call a hit out on a dude that's beating your baby child. I, I can I can understand the mentality of that. Yes. The second but, part I don't understand at all. <laughs> yeah, the part where he's like, "Go ahead and kill Lauren too." Yes, that no. And 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 also say man three, no, no, his no, name no. is Pierce. No, remember, remember, he was trying to find a way to get that child to his mother. Yes, that's the worst part. That's this dumbass nigga calls his mom. He, he calls his mom and tells her to go and get Jordan out of Lauren's house that night, no matter what. 
Do you realize all yeah. this is because Lauren didn't buy him some new Tims? Yep. Yep. And 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 the fact that all of this came from his mama. We don't know how true this shit is. It just this is what his mama told him. Well, his mom just got a whole family murdered. And yep. then so now he's as bad as Snake. So, but, so then he's he's worse than Snake because he telegraphed this shit. You called your mom on the recorded line at the prison line and said <laughs> forgot go about get that. the baby that's go, go get the baby you need to go get the baby no matter what no matter what i need you to go get the baby if she says the baby ain't leaving with you you tell her you gonna die bitch yeah like it's like duh like what are you what are you doing dog and how, how the hell do you organize a hit on prison phones that's a good question. You got to be real stupid. Like you have to have a head like a brick. Yep. So then he's standing alone in the kitchen. No, about you the just got talking. You just talking code. No, they can just they can take out code. I've been reading books about that shit. Really? You you think the you think the COs at Oz reviewing that tape are smart enough to identify code? The motherfuckers are stupid as shit. They work at Oz. The people who didn't have the tape of someone telling Alvarez who did. Yeah. They, the same people they who just did, didn't have that one tape. Yo, I bet you they don't ever speak about this again. At all. Because Lauren came out of nowhere. The baby came out of nowhere. Ronnie came out of nowhere. No, because Man's Three's visit, name they, came out of nowhere. They, they've come to visit him at least twice over the course of the series. We've yeah. seen them. Yeah, true. So they didn't come out of nowhere. It's just like we've never focused on them. All because he couldn't get some tips. And then he's standing alone in the kitchen about to blow out the candle on his cupcake that he somehow obtained with like nice frosting and all that kind of shit. And a candle and matches when Adebisi sneaks up on him. He's singing his happy birthday song to himself and Adebisi finishes the song and blows the candle out. And that's when the show ends. Or the episode ends. So before I ask y'all, what y'all before I ask y'all what y'all seen of the episode was, I'm gonna tell you what mine was. Fuck you, Dad. Of course. <sighs> mine, mine is uh, Keller's taking down the, um, um, the basically starting his process of destroying mm-hmm. Sister Pete. Man. Like, for no reason. He just, I mean, there's a reason. But damn. Brandon, what was your uh, scene of the episode? Well, my, I, I didn't really have a scene that stood out, but the thing that's most intriguing to me is the whole back and forth between um, Schillinger and, um, and um, what's my man's name? Beecher? That's with his son, and Beecher. Because... They just keep going back and forth with each other. And this is not going to end well for one of them. No, but not at they all. Keep, they keep going back and forth for each other, back and forth for each other. I'm going to one-up you. I'm going to manipulate you. Then I'm going to manipulate you. And everybody around them is collateral. I do want to say that one of my favorite scenes was uh, Glenn finally getting a chance to tell Schillinger to go fuck himself. That was great. Um, who won the episode, Brandon? Um, that's an excellent question. Um, 
Glenn, got, Glenn had a good episode for the most part. I give him some credit. Uh, unfortunately, um, that woman won the episode. Uh, what's the woman's the the bad? I mean, she kind of got her job back. Oh, Claire. She yeah, un, like on the bad way. So yeah. there's that. But uh, you know, I think Glenn had a good episode. I think Glenn had a great episode. I think uh, Beecher. I think Beecher's riding high right now, just because he knows the agony that uh, Schillinger's going through, seeing his son go through all this stuff. Scar, who you got? Yes, Keller. <laughs> Keller is a monster, yo. Like straight up monster. Whew, boy. So we got a review uh, from Jamie. Um, and they say, this podcast is great. This show has a lot of details and character development that's easy to miss on the first run through. But these guys do an ex- excellent job breaking down each episode, saying what they liked about the episode, and they aren't afraid to have disagreements between the three of them. So you can binge the show and then start the podcast like I did, or you can watch for Brandon for the first time each week. Keep up the great work, guys. Five stars. Fuck yeah, man. Are you only reading the five stars? Fuck you, Dad! No, all of our all of our reviews are five stars. No, yeah, I'm get it right, if someone, Scar. If someone if someone didn't leave a five star, are you I will want I, no, I will read it because I'll want to know why. Because I'm not worried about getting less than a five-star review. If we are worth the five-star review to somebody, then wonderful. But if we're not, then I really want to know what we can improve in order to go forward. Fuck you, Dad! <laughs> We appreciate all the reviews. Um, as, long as, as long as our dad doesn't do a review. <laughs> so y'all can always uh, email us at return to Oswald at gmail.com. Uh, you can also send us a uh, review uh, at Podcatcher. Just type in uh, return to Oswald. One of the cool things about Podcatcher is that you can review separate episodes uh, as well as the overall show. Um, and you can hit us up on Twitter at Return to Oswald. Uh, Scar is on Twitter at Scarfinger. And Brandon is on Twitter at that cool blick nerd that's B-O-K. Um, and I'm there at Rashani. Um, be sure to check us out. Scar, you got anything new coming up? Um, no. Um, it's kind of hard to really do anything uh, because a lot of what I, what I need to do requires the internet. True. Brandon, so, you got anything? No, I'm good. Okay. Fuck you, Dad! Best part about that is that he has porridge up his nose as he runs away <laughs> and then jumps on the table. No, that's that's not porridge. That's fucking That's gruel. not. Yeah. It's gruel. That's cruel gr- <laughs> gruel. Um, thank y'all so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, we will see y'all next Tuesday. Um, and again, leave a review, uh, five stars, or if you feel it, if not, then just let us know why not. Um, and yeah, y'all have a good day. Peace. Peace out.
single simulcast. Don't nobody out in your system.